Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. It's time for school. Rock school with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. I have heard, I mean, did you get to meet the guys that, that set up Woodstock? I have heard that they just literally had a money cannon and said, here, you're paid, do this. Am I right about that? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think it worked that way at all. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe- Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show on the Rock School Radio Network. My name is Joe Burns. I'm sorry Tammy is not with us uh, this week because it's June. We're into our summer interview sessions where we do four right in a row. You probably know this. Back in 1969, Woodstock occurred. It's 2019. This is the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. So we have some Woodstock interviews for you this time around. Today... I found this fantastically interesting. We're talking to Robert Pantel. Does the name ring a bell? Robert Pantel's father was hired to do the electricity at Woodstock, which has always knocked me out. I thought it was done with generators, but Robert's going to tell you the actual truth and how it was done. He was an employee in his father's company and was there running wires, setting poles. He was there weeks previous to the concert and was there during the whole concert. And he's got the lowdown on the electricity of Woodstock. And again, I thought it was interesting as anything. So for an hour today, Robert Pantel here on the Rock School Radio Show. Okay, on the phone with me, Robert Pantel, as uh, you listeners know, 1969 was Woodstock. We are at the 50th year of this. And if you don't know the name Robert Pantel, you certainly know some of the things he did because, Robert, you were one of the electricians at Woodstock. Am I right about that? Yes, that's correct. Now, I have heard statements again and again and again that not only would Woodstock, uh, you know, instrumental in the world of music, but it was, quote, a miracle that food, water, and electricity got to the Woodstock Festival at all. So uh, I need to ask you, how did you get electricity to this thing? I mean, it's in the middle of a cow farm. Well, I think I think it is. You, you, you're, the uh, characterization is correct. It really is quite a, a coup to pull it off to get all those, uh, shall we say, utilities. With respect to the electricity, uh, my dad's company, uh, Fallsburg Electric, um, we were retained to do the electrical work. The way that came about is, is also somewhat interesting. Um, in the, in the beginning, of course, uh, they had very little time. They had uh, been booted from uh, a couple other sites. By the time Max Yasker offered uh, his site as availability, there were just a few weeks to uh, basically prep for this uh, significant event. Uh, I guess it was more significant than any of us anticipated uh, in the lead-up to it, however. Did you know I, at I all? Actually, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was. Uh, we were actually called by our first involvement. It was called out because we had a, a, uh, an orthorger truck, such as utility companies used to set poles, uh, basically digs a hole in the ground and has a, uh, 
a winch and a boom for setting poles. And we were called out, and my dad sent me out to do the job for uh, construction of log pavilions. So I went out um, uh, with, with the truck to begin setting these, uh, these log pavilions for the performers and such. Basically, we erected uh, a bunch of poles vertically in the ground, and then poles leaned out at an angle to create a semi-roof over these, over these structures. And I hit it off well at the time. I was uh, 20 years old, um, uh, had been finished my junior year of college, was working at my dad over the summer, as I usually did. And uh, I had the cut-off jeans and the, uh, the somewhat longish hair and a, and a big bushy beard and uh, got along well with the uh, quote-unquote hippies that were uh, involved in, in constructing and prepping the site. Yeah. Soon realized that not just did, not only did, could, could we provide this service for um, building these log pavilions, but also for uh, doing the electrical work. And when I came home that evening, I, had, I suggested to them that they should talk to my dad and suggested to uh, my dad that he go out and pay a visit. And he did and, and basically secured the, um, the work to do the electrical contracting. But specifically to your point, um, you're right, there was no power, particularly down to the stage, which was the main, uh, the main uh, consumer of power. Uh, so the uh, local electric company, I guess it would have been New York State Electric and Gas, had to bring the primary, and that's the high-voltage lines, down to the stage. And then at that point, uh, our company did the uh, what would be essentially the distribution to the site, basically providing power takeoffs there at the, um, at the stage. And then also uh, throughout, the, throughout, throughout the Yaskus Farm for uh, um, basically you know, lighting, uh, refrigeration for uh, food concessions, uh, Remember hooking up uh, power for uh, uh, some 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 water pumps down by the pond, uh, and that work was ongoing, um, pretty much full time um, and approaching 24/7 uh, leading up to the event, and certainly was uh, about 24/7 through the course of the event to get the power. We we were fortunate in that my dad was uh, quite an entrepreneur, and uh, back at the at the close of the U at the uh, the World's Fair in uh, in New York in 1964, he had bought some surplus switchgear. Which sat out in the field in our uh, in our uh, adjacent to our shop in South Fallsburg, and people often wondered uh, where would he ever get to use that. Well, it was it was rather fortunate that uh, he had this uh, relatively high capacity switchgear, uh, which normally would take it be a long lead item. It would take uh, months to uh, specify and order and and get delivered. But he had it on on hand. We were able to use some of that in the uh, in the service entrance equipment for the um, for the festival. Now, you said that uh, the local uh, electrical company brought it down off of the main branch. What, it wasn't done with generators? You, you actually oh, attached no. it to the system? Oh, yeah. This, this was, this was uh, you know, uh, shall we say, uh, grid-supplied grid power. It was, not, no, it was, it was not, not, not done with generators. We, the, uh, the power was brought in from uh, the main road way down through the site, and then, as I say, and then from there it had to be run. Uh, we did a lot of... Uh, setting of poles and stringing of wires throughout the site to provide uh, power. Uh, uh, very little, if any, was done with generators. I don't recall generators, in fact. Have you ever beforehand worked on anything of this size that's only going to exist for 72 hours? Uh, no, no, much of our work was, uh, say we, you know, the, the general area, you know, the Borscht Belt and the Catskills, uh, our, our work was a combination of work for, for the resort, some of the major hotels, uh, also for various state agencies. But in all cases, it was... Um, uh, generally expected to be, uh, you know, of long duration. The only exception to that would be when Route 17 was being built. We did a lot of uh, uh, short-term power for various uh, quarry operations and concrete and asphalt batch plants that were short duration, maybe for uh, a construction season or a summer. 
but uh, this was certainly was exceptional to put in this amount of infrastructure for what was going to be uh, a one-time event. Let's talk simple logistics. I'm not an electrician, but I am a homeowner. So I know a house runs on about 100 amps. A home, a house. How much did you have to bring in to power this whole thing? I really don't recall the uh, the specifics, but I, I I think the capacity was probably something on the order of twelve hundred amps, and you know, basically at least at least twelve times what you'd have in a in a home, <laughs> and a typical hundred amps in a house. Again, uh, it's not fully loaded at that either, so it was a substantial amount of power. Uh, I say the biggest point being at the stage for for lighting and sound, but uh, as I mentioned throughout the site for uh, various concessions and. Uh, 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 for, well, one thing I remember, for example, which was uh, done rather uh, during the site, was we had to wire up essentially a medical tent for um, folks to be uh, cared for and in some cases uh, uh, evacuated off the site. So this, this, this thing, this, this Woodstock, was there a plan? You, you keep talking about it being ongoing. Was there a plan, a schematic, or just a general, hey, look, the stage is going to be here, there's going to be things over here, and until Jimi Hendrix played and finished, you were constantly running something. Or was there a point at which you were done? Okay, start the concert. Uh, I don't think we were ever really quite done. I mean, but clearly we, we were done sufficiently, and it was just probably in the uh, in the, uh, the the last minute, essentially, to to uh, to get to get things started up. Actually, with Richie Havens, but um, uh, we we were kept busy throughout. I mean, I recall uh, working throughout the uh, throughout the day. Uh, didn't have a lot of time to sit around and enjoy the music. You, oh, didn't you really? You didn't get to sit and watch the bands? No, but I, th- I do recall we, we had a little compound set up uh, just across the road from the stage down at the, the lower end of the site. where, where my, We had a small travel trailer where my dad and my two uh, younger brothers uh, slept. But we had a tractor trailer we also used for equipment. But I can recall going to sleep rather exhausted in the back of, a, of an open <laughs> tractor trailer. Certainly enjoying the music, but uh, it didn't take long to drift off to, off to sleep after working all day. So uh, Woodstock begins in August. It begins mid-August. How many days previous, because like you said, and this is, this is one of the, the interesting histories of, of Woodstock, number one, it didn't take place in Woodstock. 
Um, it got bounced around. So how many days previous to Richie Havens taking the stage did you start laying wires and, and setting stuff because you knew at this at this area there was going to be a concert? Uh, I don't. I haven't checked the count, but I, I recall it was on the order of three weeks total, if, if, if that, yeah. Wow. It was a pretty, pretty short duration. And as to your question about a plan, uh, I mean, clearly they had a good understanding of where the uh, uh, the main power would have to be provided for for the you know, the stage and those functions. Uh, but I believe uh, the rest of it, my, you know, my my dad was probably much more engaged with the management and to determine where to lay things out. But uh, I, I don't recall ever seeing, uh, unlike other jobs where you have a set of blueprints and uh, a schematic or a one line diagram. Uh, of course, I was more or less in the trenches working with the tools, but I don't recall that we had anything approaching that degree of uh, advanced planning or organization. Were, and were people okay with that, or did you guys kind of, you know, these guys are nuts. You know, you just want me to wire it up, and I'm just told what to do. Is that Was that nerve-wracking at all? I don't, I don't recall bothering us at the time. We, you know, it was a challenge, and uh, we just kept at it. Time to take our first break here on Rock School, give our affiliates a chance to play their commercials, but we'll be back in just a moment to continue talking with Robert Pantel, electrician at Woodstock.
Hey, Rock School listener, you hear this little thing going on right now? This this music bed that goes on for a minute? We do it twice during the show. This is where a sponsor should be. This is where an underwriter should be. If you or some business you know might want to be that sponsor or underwriter of the Rock School Radio Show, please have that person give us a call, 985-549-2330. Once again, 985-549-2330. You can sponsor the radio show, you can sponsor the podcast, you can sponsor both as other ways of doing it. So call that number, 985-549-2330, and talk with Rachel, or you can talk to Todd if you really want to talk to Todd for some reason, but Rachel's really who you want to speak to. 549-2330. Thanks. Hey, I have heard, I mean, did you get to meet the guys that, that set up Woodstock? I have heard that they just literally had a money cannon and said, here, you're paid, do this. Am I right about that? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think it worked that way at all. Uh, <laughs> I, I, believe, I believe that, uh, I, all I know is this, I can recall uh, some of the promoters and uh, uh, coming, uh, John Roberts, and uh, I don't recall it was Michael Lang, but uh, some of the others come to the house afterwards and uh, trying to settle up the accounts with my dad for quite some considerable time after the uh, after the event. Um, I think it was, it was revenue from the film that perhaps made things um, uh, solvent. Really? I, I don't know why. Well, you have I've... to keep in mind, uh, Joe, yeah. that, that, that uh, the um, the ticket sales never really. Uh, I mean, there were advance sales, of course, but uh, the whole thing became quite the event because they were. Uh, although we got the electrical in place, whoever was responsible for fencing and security, uh, they obviously did not have sufficient time. <laughs> so, uh, as far as you know, collections at the gate, I don't think they materialized uh, very very much, if at all. Well, let me let me ask you about that. I want to get back to to the uh, the electrical in a minute because it really interests me. This this idea of there's this field and I need you to bring in ten houses worth of juice. But at what point in time, or was there a point in time where you expected a hundred thousand people, and then somebody finally said, "Oh man, there's a half a million people here." Did you did you see it going down hard? Uh, well, I do recall it was. Uh... How put the as, as the tide, shall we say, of, of, of folks rushed in? I, I, again, I wasn't involved in the overall planning of the of the event, so I didn't know what to expect. I think that's probably a, a, a fair characterization. Uh, but I do know certainly uh, as we approach it, the, the, the levels of traffic on the roads uh, and the way and the congestion of the roads. If you didn't know a local uh, uh, back way to get to the site, uh, you know, for, from some shortly days before. Uh, it was pretty much impossible to get out. Hmm. Uh, during the event itself, at one point, um, we had to say my, my we needed some additional material, and my my youngest brother Haddon uh, was actually flown back to South Fallsburg by helicopter, landed in the field up, up behind our shop to bring uh, to collect some materials and bring them back to the site. I think it was primarily uh, light bulbs that. Uh, uh, we couldn't get uh, we, we 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 would not be able to get a truck through to make that delivery. Light bulbs of all the things to forget. Well, not forget, but just, uh, uh, shall we say, overuse, yeah. <laughs> How about that? You, uh, you've you mentioned your brothers a couple times. Uh, who are they, and uh, what was their job in all of this? Uh, well, my brother, my oldest brother, A.J., uh, was uh, working as was as was I, and my younger brother, uh, Timmy. Uh, he's uh, Both of them are in the electrical business uh, still in, in uh, Sullivan County. My youngest brother, Haddon, uh, he should rest in peace, uh, was uh, he was see Haddon was uh, just a kid at the time. I mean, I say I was twenty, so he was in his early teens. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And um, uh, my brother Ray was away at the, with the military at that point in 1969. Mm. We had five boys in the family, and we all had been uh, heavily engaged in the uh, uh, support and, and, and working with my dad as an electrical contractor. So that was dad's plan, open an electrical business and then have five boys to run the whole thing? I think that was his plan, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad Mom went along with that. Coming in from London from over the pole Flying in a big airliner Chicken flying everywhere around the plane Could we ever feel much finer? If you please, Mr. Customs Man. Yeah. yeah, it's far out, man. I don't know if you, I don't know, uh, like how many of you can dig how many people there are, man. Like I was rapping to the fuzz. <laughs> right? Can you dig it? Man, there's supposed to be a million and a half people here by tonight. Can you dig that? New York State Thruway is closed, man. <laughs> yeah. A lot of freaks. <laughs> Let me ask you about, about a day and a half, if you will, after it got underway, this whole thing's up. There's these 90-foot towers out of steel beams. And from what I've read, the sky opened up. And it didn't only rain. It was an electrical storm. Do you remember that happening? I recall it being very very wet and certainly, uh, you know, uh, it was a pretty, pretty yes, intense, uh, um, you know, storm period, yes. As an electrician looking at this thing, and there's a half a million people there, was, you know, and again, I don't know anything about electricity. Was there a concern of, you know, we've got 10 houses worth of electricity coming into this thing, and it's pouring on us, and it's lightning. Somebody's going to get hurt. Did that pop into anybody's mind? Well, with respect to the the, uh, the the basic infrastructure we were building, it was it was pr- all pretty much done, you know, according with code, where things are properly insulated and properly grounded. Uh, so I, that, that you know that just just uh, no different than uh, the power running down the street or, or, or into the house. The concern was more, I think, with respect to uh, number one, folks uh, going to locations where they shouldn't be, climbing up on some of the towers. I think I had I probably have as much concern for uh, safety for the you know tipping something over or falling off it. Uh, but also, then you had a lot of uh, you know sound light, sound and and, uh, and, and lighting lines, which uh, uh, we didn't run. Uh, we provided power to them that perhaps were uh, maybe more vulnerable to uh, electrical shock. But uh, uh, so the other work that we did was I, I wouldn't have that concern. I I did want to ask you about that. There is a there's a website that claims it's a daily journal of the event, and uh, I'll tell you what it says here. It says, electrical concerns in ankle-deep water on stage caused the Grateful Dead to get shocked when they touched the microphone and their electric guitar strings. 
Is that is there any truth to that? I uh, I wasn't directly involved. I can't comment. I suppose it's possible because, because I mentioned uh, some of that material would not be, uh, shall we say, intended for uh, uh, a drenching from a heavy rainstorm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I can neither confirm nor deny it. <laughs> <laughs> it it was. You think it was possible, though? Yeah, I think it's possible to get to get it to get a uh, a buzz from uh, touching a, a, a microphone while handing an electric guitar. I think that's possible. Hmm. Well, come on, all of you big strong men, Uncle Sam needs your help again. Got himself in a terrible jam, way down yonder in Vietnam. Put down your books and pick up a gun, we're gonna have a whole lot of fun. And it's one, two, three, what are we fighting for? Don't ask me, I don't give a damn, the next stop is Vietnam. And it's five, see the first one on your block, have your boy come home in a box. All right, one, two, three. What are we fighting for? Don't ask me, I don't give a damn. The next stop is Vietnam. And it's five, six, seven. Open up the curly gates. Well, ain't no time to wonder why. We'll be all gonna die. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Country Joe McDonald. Volume, please. So... What happened to it all? You said three weeks of setup, and then, you know, the concert goes on for three days. Tell me about the teardown. Where where did it all go? Good question. <laughs> it was quite a bit of work, uh, you know, taking things down, rolling up cable and so on. We had to, uh, you know, we recovered uh, all that used material, uh, uh, you know, basically, you know, brought it back in as, uh, as, as surplus. But, I mean, it, but it, it was rather... It was amazing to see all the people. It was really quite amazing to see the site after it was left. I mean, that uh, that meadow, at that hayfield, the way it was just, you know, churned up. Uh, I think you mentioned ankle-deep water on the stage. That might have been an exaggeration, but certainly ankle or shin-deep mud would not be an exaggeration with all kinds of, uh, I'll just say, debris, you know, churned down into it. Uh, it was really quite quite a mess. And uh, But we were there uh, certainly an equal amount of time uh, picking things up, um, uh, you know, rolling up wire and, and uh, removing, you know, uh, uh, services and the like that had been scattered throughout the site. You know, a lot of this discussion we've talked about the stage, but as I mentioned, there were food concessions, there were, um, you know, um, medical tents, there were other other facilities that had had been lit up at camping sites and so on. So there was quite a bit of um, wire had been strung throughout the farm that needed to be um, recovered. And what happened to it? Now you got all these giant spools of wire. I mean, did sell it off? Did you keep it in your shop? What'd you do with it all? A lot of it. A lot of it was able to be to be, be reused on, on on other jobs. I mean, it was uh, essentially in in you know with brand new condition. Essentially, it hadn't uh, hadn't deteriorated at all due to uh, you know, age or weather. Somebody told me that you used not you specifically, but the electricians there used mining wire. Because it was the thickest thing, and you could step on it and beat it with a stick, and nothing would happen. Is is, is there truth to that, or is this just the common stuff? Uh, I'm I'm not aware of that. Uh, I say most of the wiring that we did was pre- pretty much uh, stretched uh, on poles, or uh, you know, down a pole to a, to a service. Uh, no, I don't I don't recall the use of any mining wire. Yeah, see whether, that, whether, that whether that was used perhaps by 
by people doing the uh, stage lighting, that's a possibility, but I, I can't, I, don't, I just don't know. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm reading a lot of these things about electricity, and they're so far afield from one another. I just, I'm glad I'm speaking to you so I can get what actually happened. Let's, let's talk just about the festival in general. Did you have any inkling that this was, you know, what it was going to be, that you were part of history, or were you just at a job? Oh, it was more than just a job. I can recall uh, telling my uh, uh, my girlfriend, uh, my wife, I got married later on that that September of that year, to keep watching the Village Voice because there's people uh, there's people out here taking all kinds of uh, we didn't use the word video. I say you know filming all kinds of movies and uh, taking lots of pictures. So maybe you'll see something in the uh, in the newspaper about this. That's about as much as uh, um, I re- we anticipated. Uh, but uh, you know, we had no sense that it was going to be the uh, the landmark uh, cultural event that that it that it ended up uh, becoming. All right, friends, you have seen the heavy groups. Now you will see morning maniac music. Believe me, yeah, it's a new dawn. I was going to be my next question. Did you locate yourself anywhere in the film? So you're right at the get-go, huh? That's, uh, I believe that's me, yes. And I tell you, I've looked at all, the, all kinds of other pictures and uh, more of the participants than us uh, worker bees that were uh, uh, basically providing the infrastructure. Yeah, I, I own the DVD of that, of that concert. Now I have to see if I can't go get a screen grab of it. And, uh, yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, and, and, and use that to, to promote this show. 
Look, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ask now the you know the the sycophant questions. Did you get to meet any of the performers? Anybody in particular? No, I didn't. Uh, I, I I saw some of them, you know, so I say passing by, but uh, no, I didn't have have a chance to actually meet or interact with any of them. I wouldn't be surprised if my dad what didn't because he was up on, he was up on stage and uh, you know um, involved with uh, taking care of um, things as they happened uh, up on the stage. But in my case, no. Tell me, um, did you you say you saw some people walking by? Do you remember any famous people you saw? Uh, no, in fact, I tell you, it's a bit of a blur. It goes back fifty years, but uh, no, I don't, I don't recall specifically. <laughs> now, you, obviously, you heard the music. Yeah. Yeah. Did do you? That's rem- obvious. Okay. You can, you, I say for for um, it's, it's interesting. I, I live up here in Portland, Maine, and a new concert venue just opened up in this article this morning about uh, noise complaints. Well, uh, this is this this uh, conference thing is in uh, is in Westbrook, Maine, right adjacent to Portland. The good news was uh, this was uh, concert was out in the country, and uh, but the sound would have been heard for miles around, and certainly it was uh, plenty loud at, down at the, uh, at, at the at the location where we were working and sleeping. Now you were behind the stage, right? So you were behind yes. the amplifiers, correct? And if yeah. you thought it was loud, it had to be insane. I mean, can you describe the loudness? How it was coming out? No, nah, you get you get this loud, and then this very loud, and then something was way up there. <laughs> Do you remember any of the music? Who was your favorite band of it? Did you hear anything? Well, certainly Richie Havens. I I had seen him at the, some of the uh, pre- previous to the act and pre- previous to the uh, the opening, and uh, so it was it was nice to see him uh, you know, open up the event. Uh, you know, Joe Cocker certainly. Um, you know, the Who. You know, it was it was, uh, uh, it, was it was just. Uh, the variety and the quality of music was, was just outstanding. So tell me about the, the, the days. You were there for 72 hours, and you said you slept in the back of a truck. I mean, how much of the 72 hours were you awake? Oh, if we, I guess if we got six hours of sleep per night, it was, it probably was sufficient. And yeah. you had other crews to handle it while you were asleep, I assume. Yeah. Oh, we, yeah. so, so it wasn't. It wasn't just a failure. We had we had uh, other. You know, we had some union electricians from uh, IBW uh, local eight hundred six. So we, my old, the oldest three brothers, we were all um, uh, journeyman electricians in the uh, uh, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. Oh, so you were part of the uh, part of the union. Yes. Excellent. Time for the second break here on Rock School. Get right back to it, and then Robert Pantel right after the break here on Rock School. Hey there, Rock School listener. Let me give you a few nuts and bolts of the show. You want to get in touch with Tammy or me or Todd for some reason? Go to southeastern.edu slash rockschool. Once again, southeastern.edu slash rockschool. You can get us on Facebook by searching Rock School Radio Show. You can get us on podcast over iTunes, so they send it right to your front door. Go to iTunes and search Rock School KSLU. There's other ways of getting there, but that's the easiest way. Rock School KSLU. Also, if you don't like listening to the podcast where the music is clipped, we're following BMI rules when we do that. If you'd like to hear it with all the music in place, go to the PRX network, prx.org. Once again, prx.org. You can't download the show, but you sure can stream it, and all the music is in place. Thanks for listening. So what's happened since? What have you, what have you done with your life, young man? It's been 50 years. 
Well, I've recently retired. I, 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 I went back to school and finished up my degree in uh, civil engineering and uh, had a, a long and productive career as a civil and structural engineer. I recently retired from working for the United States Navy uh, down at the Portsmouth Naval Shipyard in, in Kittery, Maine. Um, one of the highlights of that career was going to uh, doing this pretty much the same job. I had the opportunity to work in Rota, Spain, and, um, and for several years uh, working for, working on a, a joint uh, U.S. and Spanish naval base. I had my own engineering firm for a number of years, worked as a municipal engineer and director of public works, uh, worked in construction. So uh, uh, the Woodstock Festival was certainly one of the more interesting projects, shall we say, if, in, my, uh, in my project list, no doubt about it. Did you make a point over those 50 years, over these 50 years, of, of bringing it up to people that you worked on Woodstock? Because i got to be honest, I would have worn a, a T-shirt every day that said, ask me about Woodstock. Well, I, 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 I try to be somewhat modest about it. I didn't do anything special to, uh, to, to end up there. Uh, just was, uh, was, was circumstance. But if, they, if it came up in conversation, uh, I would often mention it, and uh, uh, folks would uh, you know, be interested in hearing a little bit about my experiences. And, and typically accompanied by either a story that they were there uh, or they, they just couldn't make it or uh, there's no way in hell their parents were going to let them go to that <laughs> That's right. Remember, there were a half a million people at Woodstock, but 22 million will tell you they were there. I think that's probably a good, good, uh, good uh, ratio of numbers, yeah. Yeah, and, and what's nice about it, you, you are correct. You, you said you wanted to stay modest about this, and uh, it didn't make it into this show, but when we spoke at the beginning of this interview, you were still sort of modest about this, and I don't know that I have a story to tell. You have a wonderful story to tell, and I got to tell you, uh, Robert Pantel, you and your brothers and your father, God rest his soul, did a wonderful thing, and uh, you should probably be interviewed about 15 more times before this coming August, the 50th anniversary <laughs> of Woodstock. Have you been back to the field? I have been back. Yeah, I, I, I tell you what, this summer I'm probably planning on going back. Uh, I have not been to the uh, the new Bethel Woods Performing Arts Center. And I plan on attending uh, something, some some sort of commemorative event. Uh, I know there are several things on tap this uh, this coming summer. I'm, I'm much looking forward to that. Well, that's excellent. Make the trip. Make the, in fact, the three of your brothers jump in a car, and do a road trip. Woodstock or bust. Sounds like a plan. That's right. Uh, once again, Robert Pantel, one of the electricians at Woodstock 50 years ago. You were uh, you were wonderful for a half an hour. It wasn't so bad, was it? Not at all. Not Enjoy at all. Thing. Robert, thank you for speaking with us. Okay.
baby, see my baby right. Baby, 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 I feel so good tonight. Go home, she my baby. I go home, y'all. She my baby. Oh, baby, hunt you, she my wife. Baby, don't go. 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 Man, you hate me so. I love my baby with red dress on. I love my baby with red dress on. I'm gonna shake it all out now and I'm gonna have fun. fun. Yeah. Oh, baby, I love that way you walk. Yeah. One more money, too far to show. Be to get around and that go, can't go, go. Never my blues page.